You are listening to the Power and Pros Podcast, a platform that serves as an active advocate for Black women to embody their authentic voice. Power and Pros is a space of healing and an invitation to profess the power you possess. Come along on the journey and let's get into the show. What's up, cool kids? You are tuned in to another episode of the Power and Pros Podcast. Y'all, we are still running through National Poetry Month, and I am still excited about it. And I don't know if you are signed up for the newsletter, then you know that I kind of shared why this year is so important for a poetry month for me. Last year, of course, it comes around every April. It's been coming around since the 90s, before I was even born. Oh, actually, it started in 96. So two years after I was born is when it was founded. And National Poetry Month for me last year, I was not the proud poet that y'all hear today. The show was a thing. We weren't interviewing poets. We weren't doing any of that. And it truly was because I didn't feel like I earned the right. I don't know. I, I it was it was a interesting time in my life for me as a poet. Interesting with me and power and prose. And this year, y'all can tell we have a little bit of a different posture. We're on in our power a little bit more this year, and we're taking other people on the journey with us. So you will see by the title of the show, we have another guest, and I'm super excited to dive into conversation with her. So I'm just gonna read her bio as always, and then we'll pop into it. So Candace Head is an author, womanist, poet, and Chicago native with a heart for storytelling and social justice. She works full-time in advocacy communications at the Funders Collaborative on Youth Organizing and part-time as a content writer for whatmatters.com. Candace earned her bachelor's degree in journalism strategic communication at the University of Missouri, and when she's not working, she's writing and performing spoken word poetry. She recently published her debut collection of poetry and prose, A Black Girl's Symphony. Her writing philosophy is to make it clear, concise, and memorable. And you are going to be able to tell all of that and more after we chat with her today. Candace, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. No, I'm so excited to have you here. And I, we're going to get to the book. I want to go to the top to the bottom but the book has me so excited because y'all have I bought my copy okay (laughs) I didn't get the signed copy that some people have been getting however I got a copy of the book and it, it just is such a beautiful thing I got to when I first opened it I actually saw two of our classmates in there that kind of helped you with editing and all that and I text Sangha and I was like girl you have Candace on her book it was just I just love the community of it how you pulled others in to help you and it was self-published which I also I was like come on Candace so (laughs) I'll just shout out to you for a black girl symphony and we'll dive into that but I think I wanted to start off at the top when did you begin writing um ever since I could pick up a pen is what I was told um I was scribbling until I could actually pick up words and then I was writing words I had a journal and a diary from a very, very young age. And so, um, but I didn't officially start writing poems until I was in about fifth grade. Um, I was a pretty disconnected student. I was one of those kids who was just bored and so they would misbehave out of boredom. And poetry was the one unit that like had my interest, made me sit down, um, made me actually interested and engaged in my schoolwork. And I became a better student because I was introduced to poetry. Interesting. Interesting. I started writing poetry in fifth grade. We got an assignment. It was part of my English class and I did it. And I don't know. I just, I I was a competitive student. Mm. So if something, we had to read a book 
And then we had until a certain day to read it. I wanted to read it before everybody else. And so with this project, I was like, okay, I'm going to kill this. I don't write poems, but I'm going to kill this poem today. And that's kind of my start. So it's interesting that both of us um, are how we developed as students. It was rude. That kind of kicked off our poetry journey. So I love that. Yeah. On the flip, though, when did you start to call yourself a writer? And then also, when did you start to share your work? A lot of poets or those who I want to say that a lot of our Power and Prose listeners write. There are people who journal and things like that. But when it comes to labeling, naming our power, owning our truth, that's where we begin to see the halts, where we start to see the insecurity and the doubt. And so kind of walk us through the profession of you being a writer and you as Candace saying it, maybe when others were saying it beforehand, but when did you come to that? Man, I, I don't really remember. I love this question, by the way, because I feel like all writers kind of have that, oh, I was so afraid yeah. um, to call myself a writer. But I was blessed, I think, to be born at the age that I'm in, to have so many Black women published before me, mm-hmm. you know, and where I could go back and like read their autobiography. So from a very young age, I was reading these autobiographies. I was reading these um, memoirs and things of the all these writers who said, I was afraid to call myself a writer until. And so from a very, very young age, I learned, okay, this is what I have to call myself. So I, I'd say before mm-hmm. even high school. But I was blessed with a very, very affirming community. Um, even when I didn't want to physically say the words out loud, I just had phenomenal teachers. Um, and my mom was a teacher. And so there were people constantly affirming my identity about being a writer, um, even on days when I didn't want to. Um, and so I started actually writing professionally um, before high school and got paid to submit a few contributions into a Sunday school magazine. And then from there, my first job um, in high school was working for the newspaper, the well, the high school version of the newspaper of the Chicago Tribune. So, um, I, yeah, I actually like got to professionally say I was a writer before wow. twenty. So that was really cool. That's something we haven't discussed yet on the show, and I think part of that is because my lens is I'm not a professional writer, and so I love that sometimes our titles out in the world kind of make us look internally and say, okay, well, I guess I am. Like, I can't say I'm not an advertiser because I am an advertiser. Like, that's literally my title on LinkedIn. That's what you're going to see. And your community, that's beautiful, especially your mom. I can only imagine because she was a teacher and just how teachers have to affirm their students, how they show up every day, Mm -hmm. understanding, okay, yesterday this student may have struggled with this and we're, I'm going to show up with them until we get over this hurdle. And so that posture that I'm sure she had to have, it just naturally forms and develops you as, as being her daughter even more so. So I love that your community was able to affirm you in that way. And you seem to be giving it back. Yeah, I mean, any poem, my mom, like, she would stop everything. She would turn off the TV. She would stop washing dishes just to hear me recite my little poems that I had, you know, randomly come up with in the back of class. Like, she'd stop absolutely everything and just gave me that space. And so when it was time for me, years down the road, to get on stage and recite a poem for a spoken word night or a competition Mm -hmm. or whatever, I already had that confidence because she had given me that space. Wow. Did did writing professionally, especially at a young age, and then also doing slams or, or just talking on stages, did that start to kind of undo that work a little bit? Was a comparison coming in and things? Or was your foundation so firm that you could just continuously show up 
with your piece, what you wanted to say. And then you got off the stage feeling that accomplishment. Yeah, I'd say it, it was a, it was definitely a mix. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely difficult to not compare yourself um, when you when you're performing and you see people go before you and, and yeah. after you and things like that. And I know uh, at times I was hard on myself and my work because I don't as a, and I was I will say I've always been able to call myself a writer, but I always struggled calling myself a poet. Um, because I realized that a lot of writing that I come across, people are more intricate with their stanzas. They like to use huge vocabulary to make it really flowery. And I just like, really like to get to the point. I want to say, I want to say it in a, like, like you said before, in a concise and memorable way that makes people stop and pause, but it's also an accessible um, mm-hmm. art form, you know, mm-hmm. I want to be accessible. I know a lot of people have a weird relationship to poetry or they never were engaged in poetry in school mm-hmm. because it was written in these meters and things like that. Um, that just kind of felt unapproachable for folks. So I just want my poetry to be a conversation. Mm. That also stops people not only from engaging with it, but I think from writing it, poetry yeah. is healing it for is. me. And a lot of people, because you don't want to police your work or think about, okay, well, this line was seven words, so this one has to be five or like all these things. And so I love the accessibility piece because it really makes it, if you're the writer or the one who is listening, engaging, watching YouTube videos, whatever, you can really just be with the words, they're clear, and they can be more memorable in that way because you're not so focused on the form. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So typically, as y'all know, we don't have people share words of poetry on the episodes that we have guests, typically because they aren't writers. But this month, that's not the case. So last episode, we had the amazing Paige Perez share a piece with us, and we're going to have Candace do the same thing out of her book, A Black Girl Symphony. And I'm so excited to listen. So, Candace, take it away. This piece is called, Isn't It Amazing? Isn't it amazing how despite resting piece by piece, my heart can still beat and I can still breathe with the wind knocked out of me? And isn't it amazing how my nightmares have crept into my reality, yet I still have the audacity to dream? Isn't it amazing how we can no longer hold hands or each other, but you're with me infinitely? I've inherited your energy And although your earthly body has been returned to the ground, I can still see your round head shape and your eyes brilliantly brown. I can press in the dimple in your chin where mine is. Isn't it amazing that your heart stopped, your eyes closed, you took one final breath, and yet you're still alive? Mm. That's good. Thank you. That really hit me. My favorite line is when you talked about your nightmares becoming your reality, but you still dream. That that was good. Can you walk us through a little bit of thought on what inspired that piece and why you chose to share it? Yeah. So um, my mom inspired the piece um, and I chose to share it because we're actually coming up on a year since God called her home. Um, it would have been on the 29th. And um, a year prior to her death, my brother and I were experiencing in anticipatory grief. You know, we knew she was leaving us. We knew there was not much we could do, um, but we really struggled with what that really meant for us and what it was going to mean in the future. 
Um, I spent a lot of time before she actually left us exploring what my life would be like um, with actualized grief and how it would change me. And so this poem was kind of a response to all the questions I had asked myself before, you know, um, and realizing, you know, coming upon a year after her her passing, um, the pain of her loss is extremely heavy, but there is this other side of grief. There's this beautiful side of grief. There's this uh, beauty and dependence in terms of your community and you realize what actually matters and what doesn't. It took me a long time in my young 20s. You know, we, we cling to these pieces of our identity that have nothing to do with who we are as a person or who God has called us to be. Um, and so grief teaches you what, what matters and, and what doesn't. And so this poem was, you know, a response to that younger version of me who was wondering how I would survive in the world without my mother. And what I learned is that, yes, there are some days that are difficult, but there's also this beautiful reverence that you're forced to feel because when you're going through grief and experiencing grief, time in a way has slowed down. Um, and so I got to have these these moments of clarity and just beautiful thought when I when I think about her and her um, her impact on my life. Thanks for sharing that. I think the when you spoke about the the dual sides of grief and how, of course, there's there's pain, but then also having a a hope yep. in 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 realizing that there are pieces that that stick with you forever is really beautiful and for a lack of another word, poetic. So thank you for sharing that with us. Of course. With A Black Girl Symphony overall, there are plenty of poems in the book. I, girl, I just, shout out to you again. A Black Girl <laughs> Symphony, y'all. I will put the link in the show notes. Pick up a copy. That's all I have to say. Pick up a copy. With A Black Girl Symphony, what inspired you or was inspired, I guess, most of the pieces that there was like a common theme that you picked up as you were putting the collection together? And then even though you've been an established writer, you've been an established poet, you do it for your day job, your side hustle. How did you and then I mean, we went to the University of Missouri, J school. Like that was that's a part of our lives up to this point. Yeah. Deciding to publish a book, to share it with people, to repeatedly post pictures of you holding it and say, hey, y'all, the copies are available. Hey, y'all, only countdown, all those things. It takes courage. And there's a, I think there's a certain something you have to have on the inside of you that can shut out any fear, any anxiety, any worries, any pushback, any wanting to further edit <laughs> work. Mm -hmm. So one, inspiring the pieces, but then also deciding to birth the pieces out into the world and let others experience them. Walk us through that. Um, sure. I mean, you know, on one end, it's it's very surprising to me still. Sometimes I, I get a little shocked, but then on the other end of it, it just kind of felt so natural. You know, like uh, one of my friends, she was actually um, on a photo shoot with me and she was um, serving as my creative director. And she's just like, you know, this is exciting. This is the first time that we actually had the physical book with us and she was holding it. And she's just like, I'm so excited, but also like, the sky is blue, Candace wrote a book. She's like, if anybody knows you, they know that this moment was always going to come. Um, my mom always knew this moment was going to come. My teachers, anytime I would post about writing or something, they'd be like, okay, where's the book? Um, so we all knew this was going to come. But it was, um, it was really God uh, one day who told me, you're going to write a book one day. And it was three years later that I actually started that process because I, I was arguing with God. I'm like, 
what am I going to write? You know, mm. I'm like 20 at the time I was what, 22, fresh out of college. I'm like, nobody wants a memoir from a 22 year old. Like, what exactly do you want me to write? God, I don't like fiction. Like, what is it? And then later it was revealed. Um, he said, the book is already written. And I was like, what do you mean it's already written? And then one day I was just kind of sitting down and going through all my past writings and noticed that I had so much content about being a Black woman. And at that point, it felt so natural for me and it felt right that this first project is um, that I put forth was centered around a theme that has meant so much to me, which is my own journey with my my through Black womanhood, you know? Um, and it, it's a journey that I've been going on for a while and uh, has been a very salient journey for me because like I said, um, Black women authors raised me. I, was, I always had my head in a book that Nikki Giovanni wrote or Alice Walker or Dr. Maya Angelou. It was something that was so central to me. Um, and so it just kind of made sense. And then when the theme came together, it's because of my musical background, my musical journey. I always grew up playing more than one instrument. And so it kind of all just came together in this one package of these two things that felt incredibly intimate to me in my journey. Y'all, we've said it on this show time and time again. When you fight God, he's just like, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. She gonna come around eventually because I already said what I said and it's gonna happen. So I'm just gonna let her roll around. Yes. And then, and then you know, you question, you argue, and then God was just like, you have everything you need. You have everything you need. All the people are in place. And that's why I love that you mentioned like the community that came together for this book. Um, every, you know, they were like, you can go to this person. He just literally revealed, like, I knew all these people and I knew Sango was brilliant at graphic design, but it's just like, sometimes you have to move in obedience and trust that God's going to lay out all the steps that you need, because that's literally how that book came, how the book came to be. Um, it was just step by step. All the steps were ordered. They felt divine. They felt right from the timing that the book actually came out, which was an accident. I felt, but I think it was divinely ordered, um, to, you know, who designed it, you know? So, and you really have to trust <laughs> and just, and trust on. is a, I won't say, I, I was going to say trust is a muscle. It, it, it really is. I want to say mm-hmm. that faith is something that you just have to step out and do. <laughs> and it is a muscle that builds over time, but you just got to step out and do it. This conversation we wouldn't be having if I didn't step out and even write an episode. Episode one, it's how we get to episode 41. That's that's how it happens. Exactly. And now my trust is built when God reveals who I need to reach out to. I was supposed to email you. <laughs> I was supposed to email you before I emailed you. And I didn't because I had my own stuff going on. And then I was like, okay, you need to do this. That that That's the end all be all. You already know what you need to do. Mm-hmm. You are waiting on the timing. Or waiting on something to be revealed in the natural to you that has already been affirmed in the spiritual. Mm-hmm. And those things won't always align. Mm-hmm. And that is what takes the trust. Mm-hmm. Is to trust that what you can't see is handled already. It's done already. It's orchestrated. It's ordered. The people that you need to do what you've been called to do are literally waiting at attention for you to email them, for you to call them, mm-hmm. for you to tell them your idea. And that takes, that's the real power, y'all. Our, our pros, a lot of times, we're trying to find it. We're trying to find our, our thing or find our spot in our career, or find our spot in our new cities we move to, all these things. When I, I think Candace is bringing up a good point that a lot of our pros is with us 
We have it. Mm-hmm. We've lived it. We're experiencing it on the day to day on FaceTime calls with your friends. You're telling them your pros. Your pros is there. Mm-hmm. It's you actualizing, realizing, and standing in the power mm-hmm. that you have that you're afforded to by God. And that exactly. is when you can really start to move. When He can really tell you to do some things, and you're like, oh. This is new. This gonna shake up some stuff. And he's like, exactly. But you're ready. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't realize that they're looking for so many outside things to validate them or qualify them as a writer. There were so many hesitations I had and arguments that I had with God because I'm like, you know, I don't have any, you know, I don't have a master's of fine arts, God. Like I'm not published. Like nobody's seen my work in Ebony or in Essence or all these things that I was trying to stop myself. And he's like, you're already qualified. Qualified. You're already called. You have exactly what you need. And I, I definitely thought about that. I'm like, should I go and, and get a, you know, a creative writing degree? And God was like, why? Mm. And I was like, so I could write the book and he said or you could just write the book you know so stop waiting on other people and outside forces to to qualify you um because they won't you know and even after I wrote the book somebody came to me and was like you know you should consider getting a PhD and I told them you know I don't think that's the proper path for my my journey right now um and they were just like well you know it can I was like why you know but I'm open to, to hearing other people's opinions. And I was like, why do you think I should pursue this? And they said, you know, so you could have some, some credibility. Um, and I said, and they were like in qualification. And I was like, well, my community does that for me, you know? And <laughs> I, I don't need credibility from academia or any of these institutions that weren't, that weren't, put here by God. They were human beings, you know, and I'm not saying I'm never going to go back to school, but I think we have to check that mentality a lot, um, that people are looking for these outside sources to validate them and say, yes, you are called to do this when it's already been done. It's already been written. It's a dangerous place to sit in, especially when you're getting that from other people. If you hear it enough times, I'm sure you've heard that from more than one source. If you hear stuff like that, more than once and there's multiple people you just have to think it's you and it's okay maybe maybe i should get a phd maybe i can do all these things i have written the book but if i want to write another one if i want to do whatever or get more visibility with the book i've already written maybe i do need a stamp or extra thing on my linkedin or extra degree on the wall and it can get dangerous when that's what you start chasing versus what god has said or what you what you want to do? Because if if Candace hasn't said that she wants to get her PhD, then maybe that's not that's not what we should be doing at this time. And so that I think is super important. I've had people say things to me about what they see power and pros to be, and I'm always so thankful because, well, as you said, open to hearing what people think, and I experience power and pros differently than others because I'm creating it. So it's definitely nice and refreshing actually to hear other perspectives and opinions. But it is super key to make sure that we submit those opinions, those extra thoughts and ideas to God. And then y'all, y'all already know to write them out. I did a brain dump yesterday of just Power and Pros thoughts and it's just a piece of paper <laughs> thoughts about Power and Pros and being able to write them out. I can stare at them and even see if they're my ideas or did I pick this up from somewhere if I saw this on something, if I read this somewhere else, if I've seen other writers do it, so I feel like I have to do it. And that is a really, honestly, a humbling thing, but it also brings joy. Because there are some things on there, I'm like, whoa, 
I thought this. So that means I think I can do this. That means that I think my community is ready to embark on this journey with me. And that gets me excited because it just opens up new possibilities. So it's definitely a two-pronged thing, but definitely wanted to put a pin in that piece and just make sure that people are one, we are qualified. That was also in the latest newsletter. So make sure if you're not signed up for the pros and praise pages newsletter <laughs> that you sign up for that. The link will be in the show notes. But that was a big topic as I was opening up, talking about Poetry Month and talking about my struggles with saying that I was a writer, sharing my poetry, that I had to do that same thing. I had to say, I am qualified already by somebody that is larger than any other institution that could be on this earth, period. And so Take that with you guys as you're working through whatever you're doing. If you're doing real estate, if you are a cook, if you're a writer, whatever you feel like God God has called you to be, however you're professing your power today after you listen to this episode, know that you're qualified to do it. You're qualified. You have everything you need. With knowing that you're qualified, there are moments when you don't feel qualified. You just won't. You're going to feel a hesitation, a slutter step, and... Again, faith and trust needs to be brought in when those moments happen. And so how does faith play a part in your writing process? And how are you kind to yourself when maybe you are experiencing doubt? Hmm. Great question. In terms of faith, um, it's the foundation. It's my grounding. Um, You know, writing is my passion. And I think something that someone said the other day, I think that was really moving to me. They were like, you know, to be a writer is not a job, it's a calling. And so any any calling is different from a job because it requires different roots. You can't be rooted in the world. You have to be rooted in in reflection and in spirit and, and that actual foster connection um, that may not make sense to everybody else, but it, it makes sense for you. Um, and so, yeah, so writing is, uh, so my faith is my foundation. It's why I can write poems that I need to hear in the moment. Um, you know, there are some things that come out of me. I'm like, where was that? Because I'm struggling with this particular issue. And now somehow this essay has come out on how to deal with this. And I'm just like, where did these answers come from? Um, and then on the other end of it, in terms of how do I, um, how do I be kind to myself as a writer? Um, that is difficult. It really, really is. But I'm just, I think it's important to stay, just stay in craft um, and and grow within yourself. Um, and then also just put the time in. Put the time in, get in community with other writers. Um, and I know when I started this book process, for me, the designing of a process is almost more important than the actual product. Um, because mm-hmm. I know when I started this book, I said, okay, what are all the ingredients I need that are going to keep me going on days when I don't want to Right. Or days I don't want to fix this poem or revise this essay. What What is going to keep me going? What community is surrounded or that I'm rooted in that's going to keep me from not quitting? You know, so I think that's important. I try to be kind to myself in that way is by feeding myself as a writer, even if I'm not in practice. What am I reading? You know, who am I listening to? What events am I going to? How am I stretching my brain? How am I flexing that muscle so that I am, am rooted in, in this pra- process and rooted in this craft? That makes sense. Again, community is super key and it's important. And it sounds like as you were talking about the process, you have to plan ahead. And when we start something new, 
I'm again, I'm on 10. I'm excited. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna write a book. All right, I'm gonna start a podcast. Mm -hmm. And we we have to remember that we're human. There are just gonna be days when work has tired your girl out. And so I don't wanna record an episode. That's just the point blank period. I wanna make some food and go to bed. Mm -hmm. And when you have deadlines, when you have a reason your why, why you're showing up when you have that word from God, that checking out then isn't an option. However, you'll still have fatigue. You'll still have those days. And it's like, I got to show up, but I don't want to. And so you planning to be rooted in community, even possibly having a schedule for when you do things or being able to have people you can just simply confide in and say, girl, today's rough. Mm-hmm. Or can you read this? Can you look at this? I looked at this poem 10 times and I can't see what mm-hmm. is going on with it. It was. It sounds just beautiful planning and, and being and respecting that you're a human being, that you're not a poetry bot, that you're not just putting <laughs> things out, but that you are a human. And we have to do that in life. A lot of times, I think, especially as Black women, we expect ourselves and other people honestly expect us to show up no matter what is going on and and show up at our highest capacity. Mm -hmm. And that takes away us being able to breathe, honestly, to have a a sigh. And also it creates a hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. You're not being able to sit with things. And there are many, many joys that happen in the in-between stages when you're working up towards something. And so being able to celebrate Maybe if there is a poem that I'm working on and I was working on it for a while and I finally have practice. Okay, let's sit in this for a second. Is the book done? Nope. But this was a hurdle that I had to overcome and I did that today. If there is an episode topic that I want to talk about that I feel the same as you, not prepared to discuss. And then I finally have reached that point. I'm like, I did it. All right. We got an episode. Let's do this. Let's record this. Let's share it. And so make sure that we celebrate in the in-between, in the middle is so important. And again, that builds that faith muscle, not just even in God or in the project, but in yourself, mm-hmm. in yourself. And, and trusting yourself is super, I think, important because a lot of times we see someone do something and we think that they're not much different than us. And it's like, I can do that. But then we don't trust ourselves to do the work or trust that when it comes out of our mouth or our pen, that it'll be as impactful. And I believe that that showing up, creating that space to be human, allowing yourself to have your clear and concise words that you're going to speak and not have to dress it up for others can really empower you for the next thing that you're going to be called to do. Because after you do it right, there's another assignment. And so it's, it's all planning and and showing up but showing up knowing that you're you're walking in purpose definitely i agree last question i wanted to ask how has owning your authenticity shown up outside of your writing political background aside i think marion williamson um wrote something beautiful in our in our deepest fear Um, and she said as we let our own light shine we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And so because I had been able to have that conversation with myself, to qualify myself, to not be afraid to say that I am a writer, it helped me stand firm in that truth. And when you do that, it helps others stand firm in their truths. Um, and, and so 
Um, I'm a huge proponent of leading by example. I think there are a lot of people who are big on the words and 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 big on the the platform. And I'm all about what is the substance beneath it and behind it. What is driving you and what are you anchored to at the end of the day? Um, and so when when you do that, I think you move through the world differently. And it also tells you what you require and what you need. Um, and it and it's it's a better a better way to have a more intimate conversation with yourself as you're growing and developing and, and moving throughout the world because you really can't serve others until you've done that that core work. Mm, that's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> um all right. Well, y'all already know the deal. Every episode we have a power tool, one final thought, one final piece of empowerment something that you can do right after this episode to stand a little bit closer to god a little bit closer in your purpose and candace let us know if there is one final thing that we could leave the listeners with today what would that be i'd say learn how to lead yourself with grace and faith rather than leading with strength Mm. Rather than leading with strength, why that word specifically? I want to dive deeper into that. I think I spent, um, I'm the stereotypical strong friend, and I spent so much time focusing on being strong for myself and being strong for others. And I realized that all that does is make you weaker. Um, it makes you it makes you think through the lens of not being vulnerable, not asking for help, trying to take on everything on your own. And so I learned how to lead myself with grace, grace for my imperfections, grace for, for my insecurities, grace for my time, grace for the fact that I need sleep and I'm, I'm a um, vessel. Um, and, um, and faith. And at the end of the day, giving every situation to God, not just the big ones. I learned, you know, God wants more than just my grief, more than just my pain, more than my regrets. He also wants like I, you know, invite God into your fitness routine, invite God into your to- daily to-do list um, and really lead yourself that way versus trying to rely on yourself or your own understanding. I love that. I love that being the power tool for today, especially with all the things that are happening in our world, in our society, all the all the different coping mechanisms that we all have at this time. I would actually argue are geared toward being strong people are are talking about just moving forward and whatever you have to do and to me it it doesn't is not actually rooted in grace some of the coping mechanisms that i've seen during this time and it's it's hard to see it because you you don't want to feel what you're feeling or or there just there's just space that you need and so if it's you being strong that'll get you to that space I'll willingly sign up for that because I'm just trying to get to the peace right, right. and by unsubscribing to that you actually get to the peace quicker mm-hmm. by unsubscribing to that you actually can stand in your face in your faith deeper because it's it's a false reality that your strength. 100% all the time, 24-7, is going to give you the relief that you need. You'll always be working to be strong even longer. Mm-hmm. So I just thank you for sharing that with us. It's actually a really meaty thing to think about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so thankful for you being on the show, for sharing with us. And I want to make sure that people can keep up with you, post this episode, and then also be able to purchase a copy of your book. So can you share with us where we can keep up with you, where we can get the book, and then any other projects maybe that you have coming up? Yeah. So um, 
Everything's on my website, CandiceWrites.com. That's Candice with a K, K A N D I C E, Writes.com. Um, and there you'll be able to keep up with my latest spoken word videos, um, latest books, essays, etc. You can also follow my YouTube channel where you can see all interviews that I've done um, and just general spoken word videos. I'm trying to keep that updated. Um, yeah. And you can follow me on all socials at Candice Writes. Maze. All those links will be in the show notes. Make sure that you tap in. Candace, thank you so much for sharing with us and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much, Destiny. Bye.